everybody, welcome back to the podcast daily. It is a new week. It is another week closer to Ohio State's season opener against Notre Dame. Uh, starting to phase out of the training camp portion now and start to get that excitement, that intensity, that focus on week one for the Buckeyes. That's Bill Landis and Jeremy Birmingham. I am Austin Ward. Buckeyes are going to kick off this Monday with a press conference after practice with Ryan Day and Jim Knowles, the head coach of the program and the head coach of the defense. Uh, what, Bill Landis, do you need or want or expect to hear from these gentlemen? Uh, whether or not one of us three needs to play cornerback against Notre Dame, <laughs> uh, I, I I don't think they're quite in that situation. But it's it's been a while since we've been able to get an update on that. We've act, we've actually not talked to those guys yet. We talked to them later this week. We talked to Perry Perry Iliano and Tim Walton later this week. So this is the first update really since we spoke to Jim Knowles what two weeks ago almost now um, that we get to hear something on the cornerbacks. And and at that time. Uh, Jim Knowles, I, I think, kind of referred to the situation at corner as, as a longer term consideration. Now, I don't, I don't think he meant that they're going to have a bunch of guys out for a while. I just think he meant that that making sure they have the proper depth there is always going to be front of mind for them. So uh, that's the first thing I'm thinking of when we walk in there uh, on Monday morning uh, to ask Ryan Day and both Jim Knowles uh, what they feel right now about that position group. Yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, I don't think it's a situation. Sorry, Austin. Where I don't think it's a. This is a long-term issue injury-wise, but it is a long-term issue like concern-wise, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's pretty much the bottom line. Yeah, I think it's a it's a tricky subject because, as we know, the way Ohio State handles all of its media uh, media policy with regard to injury, Ryan Day is not going to say exactly uh, how many days uh, Jordan Hancock has been out or could be out, or the nature of that shoulder issue that Denzel Burke picked up and was dealing with out of the scrimmage. Uh, a week and a half ago, how many reps um, are being limited for Cameron Brown? And if there are concerns with any of the three to play in two weeks, they're not going to say that. I think, you know, picked up enough that even Jim Knowles realized that he'd he'd maybe said too much a couple of weeks ago uh, and, and lit that fuse for panic a little bit early on for Ohio State. But the situation uh, is urgent. You're now inside two weeks. Uh, away from playing Notre Dame in a top five showdown, prime time in the horseshoe, and uh, you don't know exactly who's going to be out there at cornerback, and that's that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, it seemed like it stabilized, though. In the last week, even as we saw the guys not taking full practice reps or hearing that they weren't taking full practice reps, you saw them coming off the field, walking more normally. You know that they were all dressed. You know that they were all competing on some level. You know, and then you watch – social medias you see the instagram channels you see these guys out there making plays you see different things so it's it's just one of those catch-22s where we are sitting here going what does this mean and then ohio state is putting out stuff that is essentially saying this means nothing but at the same time <laughs> when when you watch players walk off the field and they have a a little hitch in their giddy up then you start to go well that how how permanent is that hitch or how important is that hitch and you know i i don't know if, if cornerback is just what we're going to focus on because it is such a obvious depth issue regardless of, of full health or not. But, you know, that that certainly seems to be the, the can of worms that Jim Knowles opened 10 days ago. I think it will be the position we watch most closely throughout the, throughout the course of the year. I mean, how could you not? There's six guys there. It's, it's kind of insane. We can just kind of break it down on those blunt of terms. But but I don't – I have not gotten the vibe, I guess, that that this is a, a major sort of concern. I actually feel like more than anything they're they're being um, 
cautious with this or, or taking precautions with this and, and just holding guys out when it's the kind of thing, like if you played a game tomorrow, would those guys play? Probably. Uh, but I'd like to hear maybe Ryan Day say that. Yeah, I think the way that uh, I would handle it and broach it is just how much concern do you really have at cornerback if you're Ryan Day and or Jim Knowles? Because they're not going to go into specifics for those guys in all likelihood. Now, if they're all three full go for the next two weeks, uh, well, that may be something that he does say. Say, stop talking about the cornerbacks. But getting some sort of illumination on that topic would be great. What else, uh, Berm, are you most curious about this week? Uh, I'd like to hear that they have a fairly set top seven on the offensive line. I think that would be good. I think it's important uh, to know. Uh, we, we have a fairly good understanding of who the first five are, but I'd like to know for sure that Josh Fryer is ready to go as number six at pretty much any position. And I'd like to know who number seven is and who stepped up in that role. Uh, to me, that would probably be the next thing. And I, I think I, I just want to circle back to what you just said. Sometimes in, in the attempt to keep mystery around certain topics uh, in college football, what coaches end up doing is creating more mystery around certain topics. And it would be better if you would sometime just come right out and say, guys, this is not an issue. Stop talking about this, as opposed to letting imaginations run wild. Uh, and in this case, you know, as we move to the offensive line, I mean, there's reasons to be concerned. We've watched as Zen Mahalski's moved up the depth chart. We know Josh Fryer was that guy that we thought in the spring was going to be the number, you know, that number six guy. But I'd like to know that he's ready to go and and, and ready to rock and roll. And uh, to me, who are those top seven, top eight, and and how comfortable are you? with them if there was a game on Tuesday. I mean, it's hard to say that because we know there's not a game on Tuesday, but how comfortable is Ohio State with what they've got on the offensive line? Because when we talk about depth at corner, I think that because of the overall strength of the secondary, if you lost one corner, there's actually a easier um, replacement or, or an easier way to fill that loss than you would at, at, at the offensive line if you lost one of those first five. And that question's probably just as, as simple as is Josh Fryer where he needs to be, right? Because if because he can play tackle and guard, if they needed a center, that'd probably be Matthew Jones, and then you kind of you know shuffle guys in from there. But and I know they played v, uh, Enoch Vimahi at that tackle too. I'm not so sure they'd want to do that in a game if if they actually you know were put in a position to do so. So I think it's it's really about whether or not Josh Fryer is is fully recovered from what kept him out of the spring and just, you know, up the speed, I guess, and, and ready to, to get thrown into the, the to the real stuff if that were to happen, you know, this week. I think that's a – those are both good points and a good question because I I feel like Enoch Vamahi would be who Ohio State considers number seven. But mm -hmm. to, to your point as well, Bill, like would Ohio State want him to be pulling out there at tackle? I don't think so. I don't – that'd be a little bit of the opposite problem from a year ago when they had four tackles and no guards, you can't, you're not going to flip it around now and go put a guard outside a tackle. That's just the way I view him physically. And I think he can be really good on the interior. Um, you know, I just think that debate then if they had to put a tackle into the game and it got to that point where they're down to their fourth one, would it be Zen Mahalski ahead of Enoch Vamahi? I, I don't know the answer. Probably. Um, well, it probably would be Donovan, right? And then you put Enoch a guard, right? I think that's, yeah, right. I think that's about right. Yeah, that makes sense. That's why you're here. To but you also have guys like Jacob James who, you know, we've waited a few <laughs> years, right? I mean, there's there's a number of other names out there. We, we keep circling the same ones, but there are other players who have been in the program for now three years that 
somebody's going to have to step up. Otherwise, you're at a point of program wise where you may have to completely overhaul that offensive line in the next six months. And I think you'd rather have some of those other younger guys step up and, and be able to fill those voids as opposed to keep going, well, what happens here? What happens here? Like, <laughs> I just want to know, like, how confident are you in this offensive line group after the starters? Who they are, I don't really care. I just want to know that you're comfortable in them. I think it'll be interesting to point. hear from <laughs> Jim Jim Knowles <laughs> about, you know, Bill wrote about this uh, with the linebackers or and has touched on it a few times that he's sort of working under this expectation that Jim Knowles is going to play Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers a huge amount and lean on his best players to get in the flow, get in the rhythm of the game, uh, to play physically uh, until they can no longer do so, and that some of the line changes that we've seen from the past are out. I I am curious if what we expect to be the next guys in with Cody Simon and Chip Trainum, if that's really the case, now that they've got a couple uh, weeks of practice under their belt and significant evaluations to look at, um, how far Chip Trainum has come, how close he may be uh, to cracking that top tier rotation. I mean, he's not going to be a starter, but uh, how quickly he may come off the bench, how much he might play, uh, what the role would be. We keep hearing, you know, Pali Ie Neoteote has floated around and played a bunch of different positions and, and that Ohio State expects that he could help. Uh, after the way uh, he struggled through injury again last year and, and finding a niche, I remain a little bit skeptical of that. Uh, and the same is true for Taraja Mitchell, where he hasn't been able to take that next step beyond key special teams contributor. Uh, we saw when, in the heavier um, three linebacker looks early in camp that he was out there. I, I don't think we're going to see a ton of that. Maybe against Notre Dame you might need that. We'll see. But um, that's, again, a situation where we've talked about Court Williams potentially playing a bigger role uh, as an extra safety playing in the box, sort of bullet-like, uh, if you will. Um, so. <laughs> I, I am, even though the situation seems pretty straightforward at linebacker, I still think, especially on the heels of last year, there's going to be enough intrigue to to get more insight into what's going on there. I am. I, I was trying to think on Sunday of just like some things I'd like to ask on Monday, and the thing that I came up with with Jim Knowles for Jim Knowles was. I don't feel like we've actually kind of like drilled down with him on his philosophy on rotating players. I think it's been sort of floated out there a little bit to him, but I don't know if he's given a, a direct answer on that. And I'm wondering if he if he views it different by position. Like I think you can rotate on the defensive line because a lot of that's like see ball, get ball. I don't, I don't think there's a whole lot of nuance to that in terms of what you're being asked to do. But I wonder if in Jim Knowles' or Jim Knowles's case when the complexity in his defense, I think, comes in the way that he disguises and mixes things on the back end if he would rather have those seven guys and mostly talking about linebacker and safety be more stationary than not so that those guys can get their feet underneath them, which didn't seem to happen really at all last year for guys on the back end of the defense. And then if he does, what does that mean for, you know, like Lathan Ransom and Court Williams and, and in what capacity those guys see the field? Linebacker was so picked apart by, uh, you know, people on our side, the fans and all that stuff in the last couple of years that, you look at guys like Paul Dianeo Teote and Taraji Mitchell, these are top five players in the country at the linebacker position in the class of 2018. Paul Dianeo was the number one ranked inside linebacker in the nation. Like this is a guy who had major, major expectations. So obviously injuries have slowed him and kept him off the field and kept him from maybe being what everyone expected. But it's one of those moments where we as the media have sort of written off Taraji Mitchell and Paul Dianeo as 
like just oh, these guys are just throw-ins. But if they are healthy and they are able to finally be the players that we all thought they were going to be five years ago, now all of a sudden you have a very interesting conversation about how you do rotate in those players because those are potential you know studs at that spot. But when you have two linebackers playing the majority of the snaps, then you wonder, and the question I have is, what is Jim Knowles more beholden to? The the bullet that doesn't exist or the Jack slash Leo slash whatever, like, because <laughs> you have to sort of pick one of those spots to be on the field as you, as you manipulate the rest of the defense around, I guess you can have the Jack and the bullet on the field at the same time. Right. Ooh, little Jack, Jack bullet combo. Then you have one linebacker out there. I don't understand. <laughs> Help me understand America. We, we won't. Hey, Berm, what did you buy at Hollister on Sunday? We saw some social media pictures <laughs> of you out doing some shopping. So, Ohio State uh, had a few players lose their black stripe over the weekend. That was important. Uh, Kenyatta Jackson, <laughs> defensive end. You know, I think there's a lot of conversation about the defensive line and these true freshmen, and not a lot of it has been about Kenyatta Jackson because he's the he looks sort of underdeveloped physically, but he's a freaky, freaky player he from does? South Florida. Yeah, <laughs> uh, if you if you stack him next to Omari Abel or 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 Hero Canoe, he looks a little smaller, but. And then I you had so. the, the wide receivers, of course. You had uh, Keon Grace, Juke Mitchell, another walk-on wide receiver. Do you guys think it's weird that Brian Hartline's wide receivers, like the walk-ons are constantly losing their black stripes before the scholarship players? Do they sell the black stripes at Hollister? Uh, Dallin Hayden also <laughs> lost his black stripe on Friday. Big news for him as a player that Ohio State is counting on to, to step into the rotation. Why were that. you shopping at Hollister? I already told you. Why are you doing this? I was there with my stepdaughter and my wife, and that's how it goes when you have, ch- you know, children who are getting ready to go back to school that need school clothes. I don't want to shop at Hallister. I want to shop at Homefield, <laughs> where where this unbelievably comfortable University of Toledo T-shirt that I'm wearing came from. Oh, Homefield, uh, you don't you say. Can- yeah, I like to shop at places that make me comfortable. Hollister <laughs> is not where I felt comfortable on Sunday afternoon. But I did run into a nice fan of the podcast and of uh, Dotting the Eyes, the OhioState.Rivals.com website. And it's nice to meet fans out in the public. W- was it uh, Was it where I would I, would I have wanted to be there? Were it my choice? No. <laughs> Unless Hollister wants to you know, sponsor our content. I don't think at they do. At which point, Hollister, please <laughs> reach out to Austin Ward. I th- he's a huge fan. We'll each, we'll each wear multiple polo shirts yeah. at one time. Pop that collar. I think my days of wearing <laughs> Hollister have probably passed, and I'll stick with uh, Homefield, where you can get 15% off. If you're a first-time customer, they just dropped their Ohio State line on Saturday. Uh, dotting the I's is that code if you want to jump on board there. These shirts are quite comfortable. This is my first experience with them. So far, it's been good. Uh, also, over the weekend... I had Japanese hibachi for Allie's birthday. I don't think we'd done it in about 10 years. It's got to be one of the most underrated dining experiences that are out there. Truly phenomenal. I have questions. I have questions. Yeah. Number one, is there another type of hibachi that Maybe. I want to wear? I don't know. <laughs> American number hibachi? Two, number two, America, Allie is Austin's wife. Okay, that's not a question. That's just a point of clarification. <clears throat> I think it's important that we get that out there because there are times when we will you know, open the door, so to speak, I into think our personal they lives. All saw her discuss- discussing on Twitter what I was eating early in the day last week. I think they know who she is. I have a so I have a question. So here's what we know about you, Austin. We know <laughs> that you ate ramen for breakfast one morning last week and that you had hibachi over the weekend. Do you only eat 
foods of the Asian persuasion. No, I don't like I don't like Chinese food, so uh it's very rare that I would be doubling up on the Asian cuisine in one week. But after the sake bomb and uh filet mignon and scallop experience and uh a lot of sake, I should say, I would say I gotta go do that more often. Maybe I need so to dip more into the Asian cuisine. Bill, what's your hibachi choice? If you're if you're on the if you're on the hot table, that's what I call mm. it, hot table. Uh, what are you getting in the hot table? I think hibachi is actually Japanese for hot table. Um, <laughs> I <about> right. <laughs> that might actually be true. Um, I probably not. Don't, I'm don't getting, fact uh, check that. Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting steak probably, like a teriyaki steak or chicken. Steak? Yeah. yeah, like a, yeah, it's like a teriyaki steak. I don't. I've only I've had two hibachi experiences. Uh, one was at the nationally known chain that I think everyone goes to, uh, which I did not think was very good. And, but the other one was like a smaller kind of local one-off, uh, back in Philadelphia that I went to for my birthday one time that I very much enjoyed. Uh, so, uh, but my main takeaway was that I, I left feeling like I didn't have enough food. There's one here in Toledo. It's called Kira. Um, they, they do these noodles, uh, on top of the normal stuff. Like, you know, most places do the veggies and the rice and all that stuff, but this place does these soba noodles and holy mm. crap, they're amazing. And I promise you, like, you will not leave that hibachi experience thinking you haven't had enough food because the noodles are absolute, like gut bombs. So like <laughs> you, should, you should, you should dive into those. They're incredible. Uh, I'm a, it, not that we're asking, but I'm a, 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 a teriyaki chicken, teriyaki salmon guy on the hibachi. Ooh, I like oof. a little salmon mixture. Do not, uh, not, a, not, a, not a salmon fan. Yeah. Well, why not? Well, that's another episode. Point is, there's <laughs> a lot of things tomorrow. going on. Yeah, those, yeah, there's a lot of things. <laughs> those leftovers on. sound like they'd be pretty good for breakfast, though. <laughs> that's <laughs> unbelievable. Um, listen, so we got a lot of stuff coming up on the podcast this week. As Austin already said earlier, we got Ryan Day and we got Jim Knowles at the podium on Monday morning. We've got the live show at Roosters on Monday afternoon. We've got stuff happening all week long. You can find more of us at ohiostate.rivals.com where we're on our message forums talking to subscribers all week long and, uh, you know, all night long. Like my good friend Lionel Richie once said. Like Lionel Richie. <laughs> uh, so, you know, keep up. Berm dines with him. We're trying our best. Yeah, what? it was a good time. Yeah. yeah. Wait, what? That's a totally different story. <laughs> I didn't dine with him. He was just like at the next table. That counts. You know? oh, oh. That counts. That counts. That counts. Well, yeah, but it did count to me. I was obviously dancing on the ceiling when that happened. <laughs> did so. he say hello? Uh, yes, he did. <laughs> Actually, he, it wasn't even just hello. It was like, hello. <laughs> and I was like, oh, cool. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> there's a lot we could talk about. And I, that's all I got. You guys should need to shut me up. Uh, we'll be uh, you know, at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. We're going to go live on YouTube uh, later in the morning just so, you know, folks, we're trying our best to get you all the questions and all the things so you can hear all these things. But. There's some things that are out of our control. We figured you'd rather have a nice, live, clean version of Ryan Day than the audio recorded and all that stuff, right? Wouldn't you? Tell us in the comments. Bill, what do you got? Anything else? I have like six more Lionel Richie questions, but I'll, I'll save them for tomorrow's episode. Austin? Got to leave them wanting more. I think that was it. We got enough of the yeah. weird sidetrack conversations and a little actual football analysis. I think that makes for a perfect episode of the podcast daily in my mind. Uh, we'll be back for another one on Tuesday. That's Bill Burm. I'm Austin. We will see you then.